Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode covers the back in town events of season three, part 10. So what's happening in the town of Twin Peaks. And we're going to cover some storylines here, but more tomorrow. The Jacoby storyline, if you want to call it a storyline, continues in this episode. We see another Dr. Amp monologue, another rant. And we see Nadine watching, drinking a smoothie. Um, incidentally, we see a smoothie on Sylvia's table, too. I don't know what that says about anything. But we also this time see Nadine's shop. It says, run silent, run drapes, and it's got a drape running over a golden shovel. I'm pretty sure we did not see that in part five when we first glimpsed Nadine watching Dr. Amp. So we can see she's an avid follower of, of the good doctor here. I was thinking about how even though Dr. Amp in general feels like a very Mark Frost creation... One thing that feels Lynchian about him is his cursing. He's just constantly saying fuck, and it reminds me of, you know, Frank Booth, his, you know, I'll fuck anything that moves and all of that stuff. Like, it has that vibe about it. So that does feel like a Lynch touch there. With Ben and Beverly, we have one brief moment. After Ben gets the call from Sylvia, he hangs up, he's massaging his temples, and he says, Beverly, would you like to go to dinner? And it's funny because, you know, we're watching this after the episode where he very gently told her, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I can't do this. So now it's like sort of flamboyantly subverting that. I think this was shot before that. We'll talk about this more in the order of events section of this podcast. It's a bit of a contradiction because uh, the scene seems to have been, it seems to have to take place before the other scene with Beverly, where he where he tells her that they, they can't do this. Based on, you know, everything, the tie he's wearing, the fact that Sylvia's calling him, I'm assuming she's calling the day that this happened. I don't think she'd wait a few days to tell him. There's a whole complicated reason for this, but it's an odd little moment for that reason. Jerry, meanwhile, is out in the woods. He can't get a signal on his phone, and he basically yells at the woods, says he knows, you know, he knows he's been here before. And he sounds kind of like Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump when there's that hurricane scene. He's sitting on the on the ship yelling at the storm. This is like Jerry versus nature. It's pretty amusing to watch. The Cooper investigation this week is very limited. In fact, you could argue there's no Cooper investigation scenes. But I think whenever the log lady calls Hawk, it, it kind of ties into that storyline. Although this time it's much more abstract, less obviously related to Cooper. And I'm just going to read the whole speech because I, I think it's a great little monologue. Of one of her best, she says, Hawk, electricity is humming. You hear it in the mountains and rivers. You see it dance among the seas and stars and glowing around the moon. But in these days, the glow is dying. What will be in the darkness that remains? The Truman brothers are both true men. They are your brothers. And the others, the good ones who have been with you. Now the circle is almost complete. Watch and listen to the dream of time and space. It all comes out now, flowing like a river. That which is and is not. Hawk, Laura is the one. We don't get a Roadhouse gang, we don't get any of the usual characters visiting there, but we do get Rebecca Del Rio singing No Stars, and it lasts for seven minutes. And this is already a short episode. It's 54 minutes with the song, and the song itself is really long. It's, you know, almost, I think, six minutes something, almost seven. So, figuring that, like, without this scene, the episode is only, like, 45 minutes. And that's, I think, why some people felt like it was a filler episode, but... I feel like there's a little more going on here. Becky. Steven is yelling at her. He's got her on the couch. He's pulling his fist. He's not actually hitting her, but it's looking like he might be about to, and she seems kind of terrified. 
and he's yelling at her that her wage is too small and she doesn't clean the place they live. And meanwhile, she's the one working and providing for him. I mean, it's so ludicrous. It's one of those examples of Lynch just showing this absolute brute in a domestic violence situation. Think Leo Johnson, think, think Frank Booth, think even the, the father husband in Dumbland, you know, speaking of... <laughs> You know, the, the globe over the teddy bear's head looks like Dumbland as well. So maybe there's a few references in this episode. That's his animated web series he made around 2001. But Stephen is pretty damn unsympathetic here. Uh, he does say to Becky, I know what you did. It's one of those little tangents that makes many of these storylines, the Becky one in particular, feel like we're getting glimpses into a soap opera, but not like what came before or after. It's like tuning in to a soap opera like maybe Lynch would when he was working in a print shop in the early 70s before he got the AFI grant. And he would just kind of work away and there'd be a soap opera playing on the TV. So you'd see these little glimpses of this melodrama, but not see not see what followed from that. Since I'm splitting up the Twin Peaks scenes between uh, two podcast episodes, we're going to pause there. But I do want to mention one other aspect to this the a returning storyline from the original series that was featured in seasons one and two uh, kind of pokes its head out here so to speak that's nadine's drapes how she was obsessed with drape runners in season one i think they're mentioned once in season two but it's mostly a season one uh storyline and then here it is back uh 10 episodes after or 10 entries including firewalk with me since it was last seen in the season two finale when Nadine wakes from her coma and is right back to the drape runner. So here we see that she did actually open a small business, uh, as I mentioned, in the J- Jacobia's Dr. Amp storyline. But it's just worth noting, this is something coming back after uh, 10 entries of absence. And other than that brief mention the, in the finale, you know, a season and a half of absence. But at this point, I think we can just merge it nicely into the Jacobia's Dr. Amp story. We don't have to keep checking in on this as a separate story each week. Uh, also, a uh, storyline that's disappeared for episodes of Absence at this point is Drugs in Twin Peaks. That's another old season one storyline. We really haven't heard much from it in a while, although, of course, there are characters in this episode very much um, entangled with that. But but it's not you know part of their behavior here. So like Richard, Becky, Stephen, um, they may be high, but they're not, you know, the storylines they're dealing with at this moment aren't to do directly with a drug trade. And that wraps it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also support this work on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Tomorrow we will pick up with storylines that were introduced, uh, Twin Peaks storylines introduced in Part 5. Really, that's just a couple uh, to talk about the Fat Trout Trailer Park and the hit-and-run accident that's still reverberating throughout the town. So really a hit-and-run-anchored episode, I would say, sort of like in Part 6, where we didn't have that much mythology to cover, so we split the Twin Peaks scenes over two episodes, and one episode was mostly devoted to the hit-and-run storyline. That said, there will be a brief mention of some Lodge lore topics, uh, just a handful really just brushing over them, and no scenes take place in the spirit world. So the mythology episode that I usually do on Tuesdays is just going to be a little coda to another town episode at the end. See you tomorrow.